You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bakani and Daniel Shahori. We're looking back at WWE uh, Backlash. And um, I would say the greatest wrestling match ever has backfired. Uh, Daniel, was Edge and Randy Orton part two the greatest wrestling match of all time? I, I can't even pretend to start to joke about no. It, it, I was it the best match WWE did this week? Even I don't know. Like it was, I, I guess it was the best match on the show. Or am I wrong about that? I I don't know. This was see. I think the biggest problem I had with this is I thought they would shorten it. I thought yes, they would get too. rid of the rest holds, and me they too. Just didn't seem to. They did figured, more. Yeah, they just didn't seem to have figured it out. Um, but there certainly is some really good stuff in here. Randy Orton doing the pedigree, Edge doing the rock bottom, and and as a series of moments, I think this will, you know, history will look very favorably up, upon this. Uh, and I think we walk out of this, you know, especially before the show in the pre-show, you had Ric Flair and uh, Christian you know, hyping up their guys. Like, there's some really great stuff here uh, leading up to this. Uh, even even if, you know, Ric Flair was recently quoted as saying Charlotte and Randy Orton are the two best workers in wrestling today. But I, I, I just, it was, a, it was a big mistake to market this match the way they did. It was a big mistake to book this match the way they did. And it's probably a big mistake to main event the show with these two guys and that's kind of, there's not a lot to say about most of this card. Daniel, do you want to add anything else onto this match? Because I honestly zoned in and out of this even at some points. Oh, well, I did as well. And it, But what you said a few minutes back, how it, history may look back on it favorably, I don't think it will because of uh, how they, like the, the blatant and, and ridiculous marketing of this. Um, I, I, I think it will always be looked upon. I, and the, the the further away we get from it, the more people are going to look down. So I think it's going to be the opposite over time. And But to, to the other point you just said, uh, the, 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 that it went on last, well, uh, you know, it had to. If you're going to call it that, how can you follow the greatest match ever? So, I mean, they had to put it on last for just because of that. Yeah, and to their credit, I don't think they booked anything here that was too substantial. I think the next most important match, uh, and I, the order is now blurring together the way this card was, uh, and I think technically the Street Profits thing was later, but we'll get to that later, um, was the, uh, what was it called? The Bobby Lashley trying to take the title from Drew McIntyre with MVP there. And this, you know, uh, basically what happens is MVP comes out, distracts Drew McIntyre, Lashley gets a cheap uh, master lock and seemingly dominates most of this match only for Lana to come down and Lana it up. And sure enough, Bobby Lashley loses. Drew McIntyre gets a win. And this is about as close as we came to any title switching hands on this night, uh, arguably. And even then, um, I don't think I really believed Lashley would ever win the title here. No, and it's unfortunate. Like I, I, I like the pairing with MVP. I just think they immediately got to the title too quickly. I wish there was more of a... Um, a story of MVP being successful with Lashley before they got here because he it was too early to put him up because you could have done the story and he could have won at some point, but now wasn't the time and it seems like a waste. And it also seems like the whole year long storyline with Rusev and all of that is was for nothing because mm -hmm. they're just looking they're quickly trying to get rid of the whole Lana thing now. Yeah, and I worry about MVP. He's doing commentary on main event. He was managing uh, Shane Thorne and the other guy whose name name escapes me. Um, and I think 
MVP as good as Bobby Lashley's manager, but then I even wonder, is he as good as Leo Rush was in the same role? And I actually don't think he is. And that's a bit of a problem, right? You think you don't think he's as, he's as good as Leo Rush? I think if you gave me a choice, and, and you know, part of this is where MVP is in his career. I believe he has a producer's contract with WWE. Um, and look, I think he has a role to manage a talent. But Leo Rush managing Lashley allowed him to also uh, maximize his use as a cruiserweight on the main roster, which is something you know, which is very difficult to do. And I I, I think that character that Leo Rush was portraying gave you something different. I, I think what MVP is giving you is kind of Paul Heyman light. Um, it just ta- even Taz light. I'd be willing to say that. I don't know if he's as good in that role. I don't think he's as unique in that role as Leo Rush was because Leo Rush was a cruiserweight managing a heavyweight. And that was part of the angle. You know, I just think it gave them something else. Hmm. Well, he, it was funny because uh, he's one of the, out of the three people we're talking about, he's, just in terms of a career, he's the one that I'm concerned least about because I think they're going to, oh, they're going to, they're going to keep finding something for him to do where Lashley and McIntyre, they are at a sort of make or break a point with either of them. And if either of them fail where they are now, I think that's going to be the end of them. No, absolutely. Let's talk about the other title match. It was of course, uh, Braun Strowman with the new entrance and everything taking on The Miz and John Morrison. Now, I had to let uh, you and Alex know ahead of time with these picks that essentially they had put a little wrinkle in the plans. And, and I will give WWE credit. They sort of mentioned this in the pre-show. And then during the pay-per-view itself, they interviewed Morrison and The Miz. And they said, look, only one of you can get the pinfall and win the championship. And they were legitimately shocked. And they worked this into the match as well with The Miz pulling Morrison off seemingly when they had the win. And obviously this was a way to give Braun, you know, a, a little bit of help to maintain the title and not make the Miz and Morrison look like total chumps. But I think this, you know, as a filler feud worked, especially with the music video, uh, the Miz and Morrison have put together a lot of the antics leading up to this. And I think in fairness to the Miz and Morrison, these guys aren't just tag team wrestlers. They are legitimate single stars. And certainly John Morrison's been away long enough, not unlike the MVPs of the world, that we are happy to see him back in this kind of spot. So, you know, despite the fact Braun inevitably took this, uh, I was very happy with this. And I thought this did the trick as a way to just sort of extend Braun's title run and give the Miz and Morrison a top end, you know, sort of buzz, you know, off the top. Yeah. uh, I was most entertained by that music video to start. Mm -hmm. uh, But that got me in just into the, into the mood of the headspace of the match. So I was like, okay, I was in a good mood for that match. So it was fine. Yeah, I think these two guys are very talented, and uh, I think there's, there's a lot in the future for them. And let's let's stay with tag teams, even though this was the first match, but, you know, I'll, I'll book this better than WWE. We had Bailey and Sasha defending their women's tag team titles against the Iconics, and, of course, Nikki and Alexa. Um, certainly a very interesting match. Three teams that are well-established, and uh, even prior to the match, I like the fact that Sasha and Bailey were being interviewed backstage and as Sasha went out, Bailey was interviewed, continued to have the interview. Um, and I think it's, it's very smart of WWE to give them a little bit more of a run with these titles. And inevitably, I, I think we are looking at a Bailey sasha SummerSlam program. I don't think there's enough in the tank to get this to WrestleMania. But no. I think this works. And certainly they've already said um, that the NXT, they, they'll be taking these titles. Whoever won this match was going to go to NXT and take on Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart. Now... 
the problem with this is, you know, Shotzi Blackguard is sort of functioning as an extra in the crowd probably during this card. I'm fairly sorry. I know. That. So, you know, and, and I don't know how much of a team her and Tegan are, even amongst NXT women. They're not, you know, they're sort of a newer team. But, you know, I think, I think this works. I think it gives Bailey and Sasha room to stretch this out. And I'm sort of hoping that Nikki or Alexa gets the rub at a SmackDown women's title shot after this. But I don't know where this leaves the Iconics. I'm worried they're going to go down the road of splitting them up again. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of a tricky spot. But I think overall this is the best of a sort of a messy situation with these tag team titles. So they're still kind of trying to figure out what to do with them, you know, long term. Right. But I do, I do like that Bailey and Sasha are going to NXT f- uh, for the week. And at the same time, it's, again, nobody's fault, but it's such a shame because this would have been a really good homecoming for those Mm -hmm. two with the NXT audience that doesn't exist at the moment. So Mm -hmm. it's a shame that it's being wasted, but uh, I do like that they're heading there regardless. I start to wonder if the best thing for these tag titles is to actually end up on NXT where you have so many good women. You know, you, you think of Rhea Ripley could easily find someone to team with. Yep. Uh, you've got Dakota Kai and her, her enforcer, uh, Gonzalez. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Blackheart and Tegan Knox, and this is at the top of my head. There's certainly other teams, Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne and King Carter has an alliance with someone who I'm escaping me at the moment. So there may be a lot they can do with those titles. Cause I think they've sort of exhausted teams in the main roster um, and I think they missed the boat with Charlotte and Lacey Evans many, many months ago because that could have been a really formidable tag team. And uh, they didn't go in that direction. And even Tamina, I think they could have either repaired her with Naomi uh, or, hell, paired her with, uh, you know, Nia Evans. Well, yeah, Nia Jax would have been another one. Like, there's a lot yeah. of options there. And uh, they haven't gone in that direction. Let's stick with Nia Jax since you brought her up. Uh, she took on Asuka. This is probably the most disappointing thing on the night as we've got a count out. And, you know, right. on one hand, I don't expect Asuka to drop the title here, but I don't really want to see more of this Nia Jax feud. I think the answer here is the Shayna yeah. Baszler feud. And obviously, well, you know, they're going to stretch this out. Obviously, that's what it is. And that's why they did it. But, you know, nobody, nobody likes to see a double count out on a, on a pay-per-view. <laughs> Yeah, just just a complete waste. And credit to both women. I think they've done a very good job of this feud. They've made it probably, you know, they, they've sort of built off what they got from Becky Lynch. Um, but this has been a very strong feud. And I think the fact that this was a card that didn't have Bayley defending the SmackDown Women's Championship, that didn't have Charlotte defending the NXT title because of the takeover just a week ago, um, and still felt like it had a legitimate title match. And you could certainly argue that the Oscar-Nia Jax feud had more build than, or as much build as the Lashley-McIntyre thing, and maybe more than Braun and the Miz and Morrison. Um, so, you know, I think it worked, and certainly they, this kind of goes back to money in the bank and some of the stuff we saw with Asuka and Nia Jax here. So, you know, I'll give them a pass, but it's, it's a reluctant one. Uh, speaking yep. of non-finishes and odd things, the Viking Raiders took <laughs> on straight profits, and for anyone who missed this, this was a match that leading up to the card, I believe, was not on WWE.com's website, but was on their social media or was released in some other matter. And we thought it would be a pre-show match, but it ended up not just being on the main card, Daniel, but I think this was the second last match, quote-unquote, of the entire pay-per-view. Am I remembering that correctly? Because it gets weird in a moment when I break this down. Was it the second last? It was the second last match. And for a match they didn't announce, it's obviously the 
the second most amount of thought that was clearly put into anything on the card tonight because mm. that was a lot of work to do everything that they did whether you liked it or not we'll get to that but yeah i i don't i'm reluctant to even try to describe this thing but essentially they're fighting backstage and somehow they destroy you know braun Strowman's poor car for the second time in a month and then uh, they're all over the place backstage and at some point uh, akira tozawa shows up with a bunch of guys uh, and then other guys, and they're... In I was so excited by that. I thought we were about to be introduced to a new faction. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, it just was completely random. And they were stuck in a trash compactor. There were flashbacks. It, it was weird, but it was good. And obviously, they can still give us the tag team match later. And the dynamic between these two teams, because you know they essentially teamed up against Akira Tozawa and his thugs, it's interesting. And... I don't know how much you chalk this up to the material and how much you chalk it up to the performers. Given this is WWE, I think this really falls on how good these four men are as characters and how their character work is sort of infused in everything they do. You know, some of the moments they took just to do character things in the midst of this weird match were very, very well done. And I don't know how much of that WWE scripts and how much of that is Ivar or Eric or, you know, either the street prophet saying, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to throw this in, and you can always edit it out after if you don't like it. Um, so I give them a lot of credit. I think they were quite good, and I think there were some very nice callbacks, even just the montage of, oh, he's the attractive Viking Raider, and he's not the attractive Viking Raider. Like, little things like that worked right. very, very well, stupid as they may be, but they were entertaining. Um, do, you so, think yeah. this was, do you think this was WWE, and it didn't occur to me until now, their response to what, AEW did with the with the football field match. What was it? What did they call that mm-hmm. match? The stadium stampede, I think. The stadium stampede was this. I mean, they didn't advertise it as such, but they mm-hmm. put a lot of effort and thought into this thing. Yeah, it's very odd because we, obviously we go back to WrestleMania and we had the Bray Wyatt thing, with the Undertaker thing, the Boneyard match, and the fire. And they didn't let us know this was coming, which is weird for something that they put so much thought into. Yeah, I, I would, I'd venture to say you're right. This is something they must have thrown in at the last minute because if you're going to put this much effort in, you generally think you would promote it. And I think maybe this was something they were going to do on Raw and they just realized, because this was a fairly short pay-per-view, like this thing wrapped at 10 o'clock. Maybe they, just real, maybe they had this in the chamber for Monday Night Raw uh, or a couple of Monday Night Raws and said, crap, we don't have enough content, push this up. And they made the decision, you know, night, a night of or the night before. That's kind of the vibe I'd get. Certainly, I'm sure they are looking at AEW. You can't deny that, right? We've seen them change camera positions in this COVID era. We've seen them do some things that are very similar to AEW. So I don't doubt that some part of it is them reacting to that because in their minds, they've created these cinematic matches. And if AEW is going to start doing them, well, they should do them again to show them how it's done and remind the wrestling fans that they do them better because this should be their strong suit, right? And I think to some extent, it was... Um, you know, for especially for two tag teams that you could argue aren't massive stars, they got a lot of and even Kira Tozawa, uh, and probably a lot of NXT prospects. They got a lot of you know content out of these guys um, without any major star power. So I give them a lot of credit. I, I think it was weird. Again, I sort of tuned in and out. It was just that kind of pay per view. Yes, but I think it was all good. Some of it was just. Uh, I prefer it to seeing a match between them, to be honest. Yeah, so. I broke up the pace quite nicely. Um, and I think that's going to become evident in the last couple of matches we run down here. 
Jeff Hardy lost to Sheamus. Oh, I forgot about this already. Yeah, uh, such an interesting... See, I was very convinced that Jeff Hardy would win this because he's just come back. They put so much hype into him. And Sheamus, while he's been getting wins since about WrestleMania, a little bit before WrestleMania, they don't seem to have much of a direction with him. Uh, and these two guys were essentially losers of the Intercontinental Tournament. So they're both just kind of hanging around. But certainly they gave Sheamus the bump. And I think once he kicked out of this one-time bomb by getting the rope, I think you knew that's where they were going to go. Um, and I am, overall, I'm happy. That's the way they're going because I think Sheamus has got another good run in him. And I think Jeff Hardy, much like Matt Hardy in AEW, is probably pretty happy to just put other people over. And he's been excellent in this role. Um, I could have done without him throwing piss at Sheamus on SmackDown, but that's a whole other issue. Um, but yeah, this is not what I expected, but I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the match was pretty good. These two guys work well together, and uh, I'm sure you know there's more to come. It was it was a good match. It, and it, yeah, it wasn't too long, and I think it was. Uh, it's either they're going to have another go, or the direction for Sheamus I think might make sense at this point for him to go after Braun Strowman. Yeah, I. See, it's because you got to remember, AJ's got that Intercontinental title. So, yeah, it might be the easiest thing just to throw him right in there. And we haven't seen Bray Wyatt in quite some time. Um, so we'll, we'll have to see. And I do want to quickly shout out, I'm very happy AJ Styles made the move to SmackDown. It's, it's funny that AJ went to SmackDown to get the Inter- Intercontinental Championship he's never won. And Apollo went to Raw to get the U.S. Championship as part of some trade. I don't understand why they just just make that a direct trade, but I think that's WWE just trying to, you know, get through the weeks and, and find people to hold titles. But yeah. it's funny that they couldn't even connect those two things. Speaking of which, uh, I believe the last match here, Apollo Crews uh, in the pre-show, no less, because I guess when they added the tag team match, they realized it was worthy of not being a, tag, a pre-show tag team match. He defended his U.S. title against Andrade. Uh, yeah, the, the, sort of the interesting thing here is Kevin Owens came out early. I think he was either on commentary or hanging out on commentary at a nice little tie. And when Angel Garza sort of got on the ring apron, Owens pulled him down and this sort of created the opening for Apollo to get the win. And Kevin Owens kind of went up with him and sort of, you know, walked out with the champ. And uh, Selena Vega was quite upset. And I think this is smart. Obviously, Andrade has the failed drug test. And for whatever reason, I think they just didn't really have another direction for this title. And they've found a great one with Apollo. He's very much doing the open challenge thing. Uh, and I think he's been quite good at it. He's come out, he spoke well, he's got that million dollar smile. And I think he is very likable. And I think there are a bunch of match combinations they can do with him. That'll be great. And I don't, I don't think narratively they need a big narrative around this U S title. I think you can just be, here's this guy and here's this guy. And you know, as soon as it gets pay-per-view time, you can say, well, the conditions of this win weren't great, or this guy wants a rematch, or maybe we make it a fatal four way. And I think this can be a work-rate title, and I think this can work with Apollo. So I'm very happy, and, you know, I think with Styles on SmackDown probably doing more narrative things, you can have Apollo just being this basically young stud with a title who will take on anyone, and I think it works really well. I hope they do half of what you just said. So (laughs) you never know, and they can take it off him in two weeks because they changed their minds. But I hope – look, he's long overdue, I hope they let him do something with this, like exactly what you just said. So let's hope for the best. Speaking of half, I think we're going to finish this one halfway early because it was a pretty basic card that wrapped up yep. at 10 p.m. Not a lot to say. Uh, Daniel, is there anything else before we go in the world of wrestling you want to comment on? I know AEW is still going. And I'm drawing a blank right now, but uh, if there's any wrestling issues you want to you know, get into before we go, I'm happy to touch on. 
No, but I would love to. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to Fighter Fest, the two week mm-hmm. thing. I think that's something. If you're interested, we could possibly cover because mm-hmm. uh, I don't see what the next big. You know, there's extreme rules, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, as for tonight, you know, it it, it was uh, a, really it was just an all right card with with mm-hmm. a extremely ridiculous um, marketing. <laughs> attached to it for for god knows why but it, it it was what it was but you know it was it was an average card and we expected that yeah i give him credit for keeping it short but certainly um oh, as much yeah. as i felt the aw the last card uh, double or nothing was a little long um it certainly and you know it offered while it had lower lows it had higher highs um and you know Definitely. obviously they're still on the pay-per-view model. So they're in a situation where they do have to deliver in a way. WWE doesn't, um, you know, like tonight I'm probably going to go watch the undertaker, the next episode of that. So they can get away with a 10 PM card finish. And then you go right into an undertaker doc, which most people will stick around for. Yeah. Uh, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, I know they love their watch minutes, but you know, they can get around that uh, quite easily. And I know redistributing content to a lot of major networks right now during the pandemic. Um, they're certainly getting stuff there. Um, but yeah, I, I will agree with you there and I'm hoping for extreme rules. Things are different. Um, but yeah, certainly let's, let's chat AEW. I love that they're breaking it up and I think there are some great matches. Um, sure. And I'll two quickly show. Go ahead. Two free, uh, pay-per-views essentially on TV. Yeah, no, that's great. And I will joke. I loved, uh, Cody had that TNT title defense where, you know, as soon as it was over, Swagger just walked down and was like, yeah, I'm next. Um, yep. but Hey, I like that's, that too. That's that's the work rate belt, and uh, I'd rather that than not have a work rate belt. And uh, you know, I, I, we can joke that they've only got WWE guys going for these titles, but certainly if Cody is giving the Jungle Boys and the guy from Private Party whose name escapes me shots, that Mark is opening, thank you. That is opening it up, and and that's what I want to see. Because yeah, a Hager Cody match is great, but the next week I want to see somebody. You know, I want to see Luchasaurus or somebody else go for it. Um, and keep that going. So I think that's very cool. And yeah, I'll, I'll give AEW a lot of credit for that. But Daniel, I think that concludes a pretty basic backlash and uh, not the greatest wrestling match ever, but not the worst either. So a massive improvement. You're so right. I'll give them that. And, Better uh, yeah. than Mania match. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll chat some AEW next time, my friend. Okay, my friend. Thank you so much. Take it easy. Cheers. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 